If people are doubting how far you can go, go so far you can't hear them anymore. Michelle Ruiz. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, mamas. I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And today we're talking about how to know when to invest in your business and how much. This is one of the biggest things that holds people back from starting or scaling a side hustle or business. That what if I fail question. People worry about how much getting started is going to cost as they rightfully should. I'm not telling you to go take out a $50,000 loan and jump in with no plan. That would be insane. But the problem comes when that first layer of worry that what if I waste the money stops you from ever taking action because I can tell you that the business will never succeed if you don't start it. So today we're going to break it down, deciding on your startup budget, when to buy online tools and courses, and when to outsource and bring on help. Woohoo! Business planning. I'm so excited. And remember, you can download your free Design Your Passion Project workbook and view the full show notes of this episode at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 61. Are you ready? Let's dive in. The first thing we have to talk about is how much to budget for a new business. Now, We're going to talk about the differences between different businesses and how to figure out how much your business needs. But the first question I want you to ask yourself, no matter what, is how much am I willing to lose? Because not every passion project, not every side hustle is going to end up exactly as successful as we want it to be. Just the reality. Businesses fail. We're taking a risk. We're taking a jump. So how much are you willing to reframe as an investment in your self-development and self-care. How much are you willing to say, okay, even if this falls on its face, I will have developed some skills, I will have tried something new, I will have done something that energizes me, and I am okay with that investment. I want it to be more, I want it to be a heck of a lot more, but if it's just that, I'm gonna be okay with it, okay? So ask yourself that question because that possibility is there, that that's where that ends up. And that does not mean that you can't move forward, that if that number is zero, if you're in a really tough financial position or things are tight or you're not willing to take any risks right now, that doesn't mean you don't get to move forward. What it means is you might have to first, when we talk about budgeting and finding money for your business, find a hustle that funds your passion, okay? That could mean taking a skill set you already have. Maybe you're a teacher and that means picking up some extra tutoring for a while. Maybe that means you're a marketing expert at your company and you do some freelance copywriting for some websites or from some local small businesses. You pick up something that maybe is not exactly what you want to do. Maybe it doesn't really light your fire, but you can do it for a set amount of time to get you where you need to go. Okay. And so what can be exciting about that is that it means that you're going to get to start your business. The alternative is that you start at zero because we live in a really fascinating time where there is almost always some free way to start your business, especially online business. Take blogging. You could go to blogger or wordpress.com and start writing. You wouldn't own your domain. There would be some limitations, but you could start writing. You could write on medium.com. You could start a podcast on Anchor with the microphone in your cell phone. 
and it would be fine. Would it be as edited and beautiful as maybe you want it to be? No, but you have to determine what you're willing to lose. And so if you're asking yourself, you know, I really don't even know if I'm going to like this. I don't really have the money to lose right now. Know that first, know that before we go into this next step, we're really going to talk about building out your budget and question what that number is. I want to say that one last thing, because there's a mindset and scarcity thing here too, where there's going to be some of you that are like, I don't, I'm not willing to lose any money on developing myself. And we have to shake that a little bit because there's probably somewhere in your budget where you have some room that you could move things around. And if you can, maybe do some journaling, maybe go back and listen to how to budget with a mindset of abundance. Maybe go back to that episode and listen through and think about why you're not feeling ready to invest in yourself. And maybe this idea isn't exciting enough for you yet. Maybe you need to do some shifts in your spending, but let's ask ourselves that question. How much are we willing to lose? Once we've made that decision, obviously the type of business that we're starting is going to really vary what our business budget is going to look like. If you're starting an online business versus starting a bakery, your costs are going to be radically different. Your setup structure, the just fundamental stuff that you need is much more extensive. What I want you to do is get a piece of paper and write down how you will plan to make money. Let's take two different examples. Let's take being a virtual assistant and let's take the bakery. If I'm a virtual assistant, how I'm going to make money is getting someone to pay me via the internet to do some service. That could be managing their email. That could be managing their calendar. That could be creating Pinterest pins. So let's go with Pinterest pins. To design Pinterest pins, you need some stock photos. You need a stock photo site, figure out how much that's going to cost. You need a way to make pins. You could do it in PowerPoint for free. You could do it in Canva for free, or you could get Canva Pro for $10 a month. You need an email address. And hopefully, maybe you have a website. Ideally, it's easier for people to find you if you have a website. So you jot all that down. The bakery, to make money, they're going to sell baked goods, bread, croissants, delicious things. And to do that, they need a commercial kitchen space. They need a commercial oven. They need flour and butter and all of these other things. They need a license to sell food. Okay, so take that whole list. Once you have those lists in place, you can add it all up. And there's going to be some research involved here, right? Because if you've never done this work, you don't actually really know what goes into it until you start to search around. So start to look for what tools do a virtual assistant need? What does it take to set up a bakery? And once you have that ideal list, the next step I want you to take is how can I mitigate those costs at the beginning? What are my alternatives? How, what is the bare minimum that I can start with today? You don't need all the perfect tools right at the beginning. You don't. You need just enough to make your first amount of money, and then you can invest back in the business. There's a bookkeeping and business planning book that I love called Profit First that talks about how, to, how do we rethink building profit off of businesses, especially small businesses. And the idea is to always take your profit percentage out first, instead of just doing all your revenues and all your costs, and then seeing what's left over at the end, set a percentage of like, listen, we're going to take 10% out first thing, then we're going to take taxes out, then we're going to take core expenses out, and we're going to do it that way. We're, we're going to build up from, from profit first. But when you're a new business, there's a certain period of time where you can commit to saying, 
anything I make is going to go back into my business and developing my business. And so if we go back to the VA example for a second, we could get Canva Pro. You could go to Bluehost and get a website, which is three bucks a month. It's not like it's a huge amount of money, but you could get Canva and Bluehost and get your site all set up and you could buy a professional stock photo site and that would be the ideal situation. Or you can set up a Gmail account and a Pinterest account to make some sample pins that you could show your clients and you can use Canva for free until you get your first client and then use the first client. Maybe the first client pays you $10 a pin and you make a few pins and then you buy Canva Pro and then you set up a website, right? You do not have to have all of the things in place to get started. And under all of this, as you draw this up together, your starting budget, you're remembering what am I willing to just invest in myself? Okay, what am I willing to just take a chance on? And you have to be willing to get a little bit creative here, right? We have to find a different way because it's easy to see the ideal situation. It's easy to look at the established business that you admire and love and want to do exactly what they're doing. But they weren't doing that at the beginning. It didn't look like that when they started. If you could see their site and there's actually time machine tools, you can go back and look at their website from five years ago or 10 years ago. It doesn't even resemble what it is today because they didn't have the budget because they were new. And so when you look at all those ideal expenses, get a little bit creative. The first expense I had at Smart Money Mamas, which was originally called Mama Fish Saves, was to buy a domain and hosting through Bluehost.com. At the time, I think it was $3.95 a month with the Smart Money Mamas code. You can get it for $2.95 a month. So that's smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Bluehost. But I couldn't have a blog with my own domain name without having a website. So that was my first expense. Anything else was free. I made our first logo in PowerPoint. I used a free theme. I did everything I could do to just get it set up, partially because it was a hobby, but also because I didn't need any of those other tools now. So if you came to me and you said, Chelsea, what tools do you use to blog? Well, now I could give you a whole list of tools and things that I use, but you don't need them yet. You don't need them at the beginning. And it comes back the same way for the baker. Yes, it's easy to say this for online business, right? There's so many free alternatives. But when it comes to the baker, look up in your state. Okay, what are you allowed to sell from your home kitchen? Are you allowed to cater from your own kitchen? Are you allowed to cook and sell things for farmer's markets in your own kitchen? What are the rules? Can you rent professional kitchen space from someone else? to do runs of catering or to do runs of getting your first clients and use those first few gigs doing birthday party cakes and pastries and things like that to fund your own kitchen eventually. How can you get a little bit creative and make the most of what you have? And this is something I wanna talk about just for a quick second, which is that more money does not always mean better starting. And we look at this sometimes with venture capital companies. And so when you look at the long-term financial success of venture startups. Companies that are that do what's called bootstrapping, which is they're using their own money or family money very often to get started, they are more successful long-term than very well-funded venture businesses. And the reason for that, they think, is that the companies with less money are more focused 
on things that are important because they don't have a chance to get distracted. They don't get into big marketing budgets and big marketing plans before they have a product that works really well. They don't get distracted by developing some other thing that's kind of tangentially related before they fix and optimize the first one because they don't have a choice. And so even if you're someone who has some more wiggle room, you have some more wealth in your life and you're saying, well, I'm willing to risk so many thousand dollars to start my business, still go through this exercise and say, how can I adopt that bootstrappy mindset a little bit? How can I limit and just get going with the minimum viable product and then scale and pivot from there? Because you don't know what is going to click and what's going to hit and what you're going to love about this new business yet. So really find that kind of base bare bone budget you're willing to set. The last two numbers I'm going to give you to set for yourself are how long of a runway are you going to give yourself? And so this is more important if you have recurring costs as a new business owner, if you're doing anything brick and mortar related, um, if you're going to be paying for services like Canva or hosting or whatever, how many months are you going to give yourself before you want to at least be at break even? making back the cost of your business and try to include that in your initial business budget so that money is already set aside and you're not stressing about it in the first month or two. So if you said, hey, I'm willing to risk $500 on a business, don't spend the $500 just to get set up. Spend $250 and keep $250 in the bank for the unexpected expenses that come up for the month or two when you're just getting started and finding your first clients. Give yourself that wiggle room because otherwise you're going to end up in a lot of stress. Okay, that's how we're setting that business budget. Okay, we're getting creative. We're getting clear on what tools we need and we're just getting started. We are trying to get revenue in the door with as little expense first as possible. The next question that comes up all the time, people are started, they're six months in and they come and they ask, what about online courses and tools? There are a million of these things that you could buy and they all look really fascinating and some of them are amazing and a ton of help. Online courses are a really powerful thing when done correctly. There's so many of them now, there's a million and I've taken about way too many. I've taken way too many of these courses. What I want you to do, once again, go back to your budget. What are you willing to spend? And if you're in a place where you're starting to make some money, you're a few months in, Pay attention to, are you still maintaining some profit or are you currently spending all of your profit on more tools and more courses? Because that becomes a cycle that's really hard to get out of. But when you're willing to invest in a course, when you're willing to spend the money to get someone to tell you the steps you should take instead of stumbling around and figuring it out on your own for however long it takes you to figure it out, do your research. So here's some questions to ask yourself before you buy an online course. Do you need this information right now? Let's give you an example. If you're looking to start a blog, you do not need a $300 course on affiliate marketing because affiliate marketing requires traffic to work. So don't buy a course just because it's on sale and you want to learn that skill someday. Focus on what do I need to know right now? The second question I want you to ask about online courses is, is the information presented in a way that's in line with how you learn? A lot of us aren't super aware, I think, of how we best learn, whether it's listening or video or reading. You have to think through what that looks like. And so if you learn visually, is the content actually in video format with real examples or is it all written and you're going to buy the course and you're not even ever going to get through it because reading the first two modules is just your eyes are going to glaze over? Ask that question. 
Is it easy to absorb? The third question is, is there evidence of prior student success? Look for testimonials. Visit the sites of the providers of the testimonials and talk to other students if possible before teaching the course. Make sure you get a really good idea of what is other people's experience with this course. The fourth question to ask is, what are the teacher's credentials? Do they have experience in your field? Are they teaching a general system for success or are they only presenting the system that worked for them in their unique situation? And this is something that comes up a lot in both money and business, which is, hey, I got out of debt. Let me teach you how to get out of debt. From people who don't necessarily understand yet the different experiences of money that people have. And so you might buy that course and find that it's just not at all relevant to your life. So look at the teacher's credentials, look at their experience, see if it is something that aligns with where you are. And one of the ways to do that is have you followed their free content? Almost every website, almost every platform has free downloads, blog posts, videos, podcast episodes, just like this one. And if you felt like those were valuable, if you've read them before and loved them and learned from them, then it's much more likely that that person teaches in a way that will make the course valuable for you. And then the last question, and this isn't a mandatory thing, this also depends on how you learn, but check and see if there's a course community and if the teacher is active in that community. Pretty much every course now has a Facebook group or a Slack channel that goes with the course. Not every creator is actually active in those spaces, but make sure that you've at least checked and you kind of know what kind of ongoing support you're going to get before you buy. These are the questions that you have to ask because there are so many online courses and so often they can be a distraction. And that's that first one is, do you need this information right now? They all sound amazing. Many of them have very, very good information, but you need to make sure you're focusing on building your business and building the type of business you want instead of just spending money on courses and especially spending money on courses that you don't have time to finish. So know the time commit to complete that course. And if you're going to buy it and the course page says that they recommend students spend two to four hours a week on it for six weeks, I want you to go into your calendar before you buy the course and block off two to four hours a week for the next six weeks so that you know the course gets done. Because you're never going to know if the course has any ROI if you didn't finish it. <laughs> and the, the last thing, we, we I mentioned tools at the beginning of this. There are a million different tools, right? And we use a lot of tools at Smart Money Mamas and different businesses need different things. This is also a space of like, where are you seeing bottlenecks in your business? And could this really help? And once you have a system, my recommendation is to stick to it. We definitely got caught into a space for the first 18 to 24 months of Smart Money Mamas where we kept changing tools. We changed email service providers. We changed web hosts. We changed all different kinds of things multiple times trying to find the perfect solution. What we discovered is that there's no such thing as a perfect solution. Every tool is going to have some quirk that you don't really like about it. But if you get into the game of changing every time you see a new thing, you will spend way too much of your time working on your business, not actually creating revenue, but just futzing with systems. And so pick something that checks most of your boxes and stick with it. That's my biggest recommendation. And finally, let's talk a little bit more about established businesses. When do you outsource and start to bring on help? This could and probably someday will be its own episode, but eventually as your business or side hustle grows, you're going to need some help. And many business owners wait way too long 
to think about outsourcing. They view it as paying for something that they could do for free by doing it themselves, forgetting that their time has value. And every hour you spend struggling with something that doesn't earn you money for your business is time that could have been better spent. This is a hard thing to get over. And there's some things, some stats you need to know to make sure you don't fall into this trap. But when we talk about that phrase, and I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but the phrase is working in your business, not on your business. What that means is when you're stuck in the monotony day to day, and you're not able to step back as the owner, as the entrepreneur, and see the whole picture and really be driving forward how you're going to make money long term, that's what working on your business is. Working in your business is being stuck in that monotony. And so when you want to outsource, you want to get yourself out of that stuff. You want to be able to get back to the 360 view. Over time, I've outsourced and built a small team at Smart Money Mom, as many of you have heard from or seen these people around, right? There's Lauren, who's my right hand. She does the Q&A episodes with me at the end of every month. There's Kendall. She's our amazing VA who handles customer support and email. We have a podcast editor that edited this episode. We have a podcast manager that writes the show notes. We have our little team. But this happened very slowly, and it wasn't always exactly what we expected, There were people that we brought on that weren't a great fit, and we learned how to optimize our hiring process. There were people that we brought on that did tasks that turned out we didn't really need help doing that weren't important to our overall business. And so there was a big learning curve here. And that means that you make some mistakes and some money doesn't get the ROI that you were hoping that it would. That's part of this process. And then we had to make sure we were ready for each new person. So we're going to talk about that too of How do you make sure when they come on, they can do the work that they need to do? So you know you need to outsource when you're giving up opportunities to make more money because you're bogged down in the details. Think about if you were a freelance writer, okay? And I use this a lot because it's just top of mind and it's what I started with. If you can earn $100 an hour freelance writing, but you are turning down work because you're invoicing and responding to emails and making edits, could you hire a virtual assistant for $20 an hour to do that little bits of edits and email management and calendar management so that you can pick up more time to write for $100 an hour? That makes perfect ROI sense and it lets you build your business. To do that, you have to know what your time is worth. So if you're a solopreneur, take your profit, and divide it by the hours you spend on any activity that actually generates income. Do not include hours that you spend doing email and doing customer service and doing all the other things that go into your business, only on the things that actually generate revenue. If you're a freelance writer, the hours you spend writing, that number is your hourly rate. So if you can hire someone at a lower hourly rate than you, do it. The example I wanna make here is that Sometimes we get hyper-focused in our businesses and as solopreneurs, we actually have a lot more options. So let's say you're pretty early in your business and you do this math and you're like, oh, I'm only making $35 an hour. I can't really hire anybody that makes good ROI sense. I guess I'll just keep hustling until I'm making more money. Well, are there other places in your life where you could hire someone for less than $35 an hour? Could you do a wash and fold service for your laundry? Could you hire a cleaning person to come in? Figure out how many hours a week you spend doing those things and the cost of outsourcing that, which might give you a little bit more free time or a little bit more time to work, whatever, whichever one floats your boat. But it doesn't just have to be hiring someone to work in your business. It could be 
freeing up your life overall. The next key thing you want to know, and we talked about this as being ready for a person to come in, is do you have the systems in place or are you ready to invest the time to create the systems that let someone else do the work you're trying to do? So when we start a business on our own, we have all these like ideas and things that we think this is just how everybody works, even though it's really just how we uniquely work. And so when we bring someone else into the business, we might get really frustrated that they're not doing what we want them to do, but we're not giving them the guidance. Give me an example. The very first thing I outsourced was Pinterest pen designs. That's actually what I hired Lauren to do, guys, was to do Pinterest pen designs. She was a Pinterest VA at the time. And she started with me and she was making pins. And every time she would make pins, I would tell her, you know, it was fine or I'd want it to be different. And instead of writing down why I wanted to be different, instead of talking her through, I would just redo them. And so this was saving me almost no time. It was incredibly frustrating to Lauren because she's like, you're telling me they're fine, but you're not publishing ones that I'm sending you. And so finally she had to be like, you need to tell me what you want. And so we got on the phone and we got on a video call and we walked through what I like about certain pin designs and what I don't like and what our branding is supposed to look like. And over time, we created a system for that. We have it written down. We know what our brand guidelines and brand colors are. But when I first hired Lauren, all of that was inside my head. And so for me to go, please make pins for us. To me, that was enough description. (laughs) To her... That was, okay, I'm making pins. What what other specifications do you have? That's a very simple example. But you have to have systems in place or be willing to say, listen, I'm going to hire this person and it's going to take me a little while to let them mess up and to take the time to correct them so that they can handle it without me. Otherwise, you're just going to get frustrated. You're going to keep doing the work. You're going to end up spending more time doing all these things because you haven't put the systems in place. And so one recommendation I have, even before you start outsourcing, is start to systematize. If there's a process you'd take to do something in your business, write it down. Put it in a place that's easy to follow. If you run any kind of online or digital business, record a Loom video of you doing that thing and save it in a certain spot, a tutorial spot, so that when you bring someone on, you can refer to them like, hey, this is how we do X, Y, Z. Create those systems. They're not going to be perfect the first time you do it because this is a process, but understand that this is going to be part of the process, that you have to make sure you're systematizing what's happening in your life. And the third question about outsourcing is, are you hiring someone with a different skill set than you? If you guys have ever read the book E-Myth, you're going to know that we tend to find and tend to hire people who look like us. But your business doesn't need another you. Your business needs someone who can do the things you can't or can do the things that you struggle with, with ease. Like that's their superpower is to do that thing that you hate doing. Finding those people is a little bit difficult because they may not vibe with us right away because they probably work differently and have different skills. You may not know exactly how to judge how well they do these things because it's not your superpower. And so learning how you best interview, how you best find someone that fits your culture and your team, that takes a little bit of time. But try to look for someone that doesn't just do what you do because that will not help you take the bottlenecks out of things. So that was some of the things to consider before you outsource. But I want you to remember that while outsourcing is a scary leap to take, you're putting part of your project into someone else's hands. It's a key step to growing 
and being able to respect the boundaries you set in your business. If you never outsource, you will either plateau, which maybe you're okay with, or you will completely burn yourself out. You will try to keep growing without the help and you'll work 24 seven. So when we think about outsourcing, I really want you to track what your time is worth and watch for opportunities to arbitrage that gap and to bring somebody on to help you so that you're not working crazy hours. There are too many entrepreneurs, myself included, who do not hire help until they're passing out from exhaustion and burnout and they just can't do it anymore. This is problematic for a lot of reasons, self-care being paramount, but also because you're going to make bad hiring decisions when that's why you're hiring. When you're at your wit's end, you don't interview the right people. You go too fast. You don't get the help that you actually need. You, you identify the straw that broke the camel's back, but you don't identify what you core really needed help with. And so keep track of what your time is worth as your business grows. Look for areas where you struggle with things and jot it down that, hey, maybe we can get help with this on the future. And when you're ready, just try it out. Understand that you're gonna make some mistakes, just like you might invest in your business in step one and have chosen the wrong thing and have to start over or start something different. That's okay. A lot of this budgeting is realizing that you are investing in yourself and you are investing in your future and there is a learning process and there is risk involved, but it's worth it because it's getting you closer to the life that you want. You've got this, mama. Thank you so much for spending some of your day with me today to break down when it makes sense to invest in your business. As a reminder, you can download your free Discover Your Passion Project workbook and view the full show notes of this episode at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 61. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and tell a friend. We always need more mamas building wealth and investing in themselves. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time.